I think the issue is not about having limited choices. I think we're overwhelmed with choice. I mean, I'm overwhelmed myself now. I mean, and talk about food options, I mean, especially when it was travel and business travel in the airports, there's a lot more healthier food choices out there. We know overall there's just healthier food choices. If they're in the airports, you know, it's in your local store. And now with Whole Foods and Amazon and Fresh, there's a lot of ways to get healthy food. It's overwhelming the options out there. So if you're looking for ways to eat healthy and where to get the healthy food, it's there in front of you. You just got to choose to do it. You got to make choices and it's all there. Fresh Market, Whole Foods, even Target, you know, everyone has healthy food choices. The question is, where do you find what foods to eat? That's where it's overwhelming. If there's all these diet apps, there's Noom, there's this, there's that, you know, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, you know, Oprah, you know, you can go overwhelming. So for me, it's very basic, you know, very broad. I'm not about, I don't weigh my food. I don't count calories. I really look for basic food groups. I don't starve or limit myself in what I'm eating. It's trying to avoid excesses amounts of carbohydrates. Hey there, my friend. Welcome to the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina. I am a cardiothoracic surgery PA with a background in public health and neuroscience. I'm also your peak performance coach. I had to say no to working extreme long hours where I was always on call and feeling exhausted, underappreciated, and undervalued, and said, heck yes, to a life and career that elevates my energy and passion without compromising my health and sanity. Now, I'm on the mission to support ambitious healthcare professional like you with a demanding career to become a confident leader who are living purposefully and fulfilled to truly be both a powerhouse in your career and a passionate person in life. Let's start our journey today. Hello, hello, everyone. This is your host, Sabrina, for the Powerful and Passionate Healthcare Professionals Podcast. And tonight we have an exciting guest. Another one with us is Dr. Brian Durack. Hi, how are you? Nice to see you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So there's so many things that he does from being a gastroenterologist who posts all these awesome video information about your gut health, your GI system on LinkedIn, Instagram, and he's a concierge for patient advocate and C-level executives on how do we as busy professionals really take care of ourselves so then you can be performed at that level and you can better take care of others. I'm so excited for you to be here to share this knowledge with us from all this year's experience that you have. I don't know how to say for everyone and how everyone does it. And I'm challenged myself in how I manage my time and how I choose my priorities. But I think the one thing I've learned as I've grown professionally and I've gotten involved in different areas, and whether it be medical-based work or entrepreneurial-based projects or nonprofit work and my own family, my own personal life, my own exercise, my own choices I make, it's now it's become much more focused on planning and scheduling things in and making commitments and not... So focus sometimes on the small steps with the bigger steps. I'm much more focused on the outcomes and results I want in the bigger picture. Where do I want to be in a month? Where do I want to be in three months? Where do I want to be in a year? Versus doing all these small items on a to-do list. So in terms of exercise, for example, you know, it's not always about going for an hour to a structured class at the gym and doing the CrossFit class for the hour. I don't have that time anymore. 
But for example, last night I had, you know, I got 15 minutes in outside of my driveway. It worked. I got a great workout and I structure my workouts based on the times I have. Tonight's getting a little late. I have in my mind I want exercise tonight. I'm going to try to figure it in, but it's going to be probably a 20, 25 minute workout outside of my house, jumping rope, weighted rope, bodyweight workout using dumbbells, modifying and scaling to what you have. And the same applies to your diet, your nutritional choices, your sleep patterns, things you do for your own mental health and balance. So it's again, the balance and focus on allocation of time, focused on the outcomes and results you want in terms of the bigger picture, the broad strokes, as I say, and not getting caught up in the minutia details of trying to do every little detail, every little thing. Yeah, exactly. That's the key thing. Many of us start forgetting what's the big picture that we want because we're so used to making these means go. If I just get this one task done, seeing X amount of patient, if I just get X, Y, Z, and we're so used to being in the mode of continue doing and doing and going and going. And most time people start wearing that busyness as a badge of honor and not thinking, are they really going to move you forward in life or they're robbing your time and energy? Correct. I think sometimes it's the decision of where do you want to focus your energy and what steps do you want to make are going to get you the biggest results in the end. And sometimes it doesn't have to be the massive changes and the biggest things. Sometimes small, small things we do. Tony Robbins, for example, I think refers to it as like two millimeters. So sometimes a two millimeter shift doesn't have the greatest outcome. You know, sometimes one or two changes in a business plan can have the 80%, 90% results that you want. So again, it's constantly being open to those changes, adjustments, tweaking, and modifications. And I usually apply a lot of these conversations and topics to the same thing. So whether it be your health, your diet, your nutrition, your lifestyle, the balance, whatever it is, again, small shifts in your diet that have the biggest results. Cut out one thing, cut out white flour, cut out white sugar, cut out processed foods, making small shifts, cutting out sugar you know, in your coffee, you know, shifting away from dairy, little things that doesn't have to be massive starvation elimination diet can be more of a change in your dietary choices kind of the biggest results. Yeah, that's so amazing. Just like when I talk to clients about performance at a higher level, it's just like what you're saying with your diet. If we're creating too many goals, we feel like, oh, I can do this five days a week. And right. then if we're unable to get to that five days, then we start criticizing ourselves to think, how come I couldn't do it? And then you discourage ourselves from right. doing it further instead of lowering the bar because even you done it for two days is better than zero days. So that means if you can can just focus, right? We know concentration is in that 30 minute to an hour block. And if you feel like, oh, I have to get this down in two hours, then take that little break in between the two hours. So then you can refocus, reset, just like what I always talk about these two minutes reboot exercise. And then you'll be more focused and concentrated. Of course, you'll be more productive and get to the higher quality of result than you just pushing yourself to the end when you're super exhausted and you're not even thinking about what you're doing. Your mind probably already thinking about the 10,000 other things you need to do. Correct. I mean, a lot of times there's a lot of self-criticism, a lot of self-badgering of ourselves of not achieving certain things versus looking at it as every day is a reset. You know, if you're on a certain dietary plan or you want to lose weight or you want to exercise and you're not getting it in that day or you go off, well, reset the next day. Listen, I'm not perfect. I had emotional eating like everyone else. I had not one chocolate bus song last night and not two. I had three after dinner because I just was like, didn't want to deal with the emotional dramas in my life at the moment. So I went off target. 
that's why I'm committed to exercise today. Because I'm like, okay, you know what? You had three chocolate croissants. Not what I do every day. But today I've been eating healthy the way I want to eat. And I didn't go off my diet. I maintained the choices I do. And I'm going to catch another liter of water when I'm done with this. And I'll catch another protein shake. And I'll have a healthy dinner. And I'll try to exercise. And okay, it's the big picture of what you're doing, not the small little thing. If you do it every night or you're having three chocolate croissants every day, yeah, maybe it's a problem. But I don't do it every day. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it's just simply that reward system of I did something good and I just want something that's not exactly perfect for me, but just that tiny taste of what I love sweet or you're sour, right? Or people just like some salty chips. But it's not about like every night you're eating a whole bag of chips or yeah, chocolate bars all the time. Once in a while and you're offset, it's not dramatic. It's okay. It just called being human. Yeah, it's being human. Exactly. And there's no way, even myself, I talk about productivity all day, every day. But do I actually make out to be at least six hours of sleep every night? No. But then do I make up for the time that I can still go to bed at 10 o'clock sometimes and be able to need to get up until six so I can sleep that eight hours? Yes. There are certain days of the week I choose to do nothing to reward myself. And then there are days very concentrated to be having great speakers like you or speaking on other people's stages or just simply running a workshop on my own. It doesn't really matter what we do. We know there are blocks of time of concentrated energy. And it's okay once in a while you fell off wagon and you just get back up again. Correct. It's all about the reset. I really focus in what I share with my patients. It's what I share with people I work with outside my practices. The balance, the portion control. It's about actionable accountability in your life. You know, making actionable accountability is the terminology I use in terms of what you're looking for, and whether it be growing your medical practice or changing your diet or exercising or losing weight or getting through things in life. That's just the way I like to rephrase it. You know, what's the actionable accountability you have to yourself and who you're leaning in on. And that's where, you know, I'll selectively work with people to be a leaning board for them, for them to lean into me, to be that person. But everyone can find it and you can find it wherever you need to. Find that accountability to yourself and through some working with someone else if needed or a friend. But usually friendships don't work so well in that because you don't want friends holding you accountable and holding yourself accountable doesn't always work so well. But that's, again, my own experience. I've been doing this, God knows, many years already, 15 years of practice and 17 years of education process. So I've been, you know, I've been comfortable enough to say now with confidence in a sense what works and what doesn't work in working with people in terms of helping them and with my patients or things I do. You see who wants to make the changes in their life and who doesn't. Most people don't. It takes a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Yeah, exactly. And especially when you talk about the accountability part is so crucial. And we know in personality type, there are four major personality. And some of us are really good at keeping ourselves accountable. And therefore, if you're not having that personality where you are able to keep yourself accountable, then find someone who does. The obligers are really good about keeping other people accountable, going for other people's pleasure, making sure other people are good, but they're not really good about or sure about what they want in life. So those people need to be partnered up with the people who are really good at complying for external expectation and internal expectation or the questionnaires 
who are good about keeping themselves accountable, but might be questioning the external expectation. All of them should not be partnered up with the rebellious people, which they question everything, right? Even they want to do something and someone else is suggested to them, they're going to be like, nope, I, uh-uh, I don't like to be told for anything at all. Right. So knowing your own personality and your tendencies is also crucial. Whether you are really good about doing yourself or just make announcements, see who else is willing to keep you accountable, right? Having that partnership, it's always easier when we collaborate, when we are running together with someone to have that healthy distance of going forward together than just doing it on our own. Good points. So tell me, what can I do? What can I share with your audience that interests you the most? Because I'm here to share and you tell me, what can I tell you about the things in my world and what I do and the spaces that I'm focused on? Awesome. So one thing I wanted to talk about today is that all of us feel like we're just always on the go. And then the choices we make seems to be so limited and to maintain our health. And a lot of time, we're just grabbing anything that's available. So how do we actually keep our own gut health or just regular energy through food and through your experience in a way that are doable? I think the issue is not about having limited choices. I think we're overwhelmed with choice. I mean, I'm overwhelmed myself now. I mean, in talking about food options, I mean, especially when it was travel and business travel in the airports, there's a lot more healthier food choices out there. We know overall there's just healthier food choices. If they're in the airports, you know, it's in your local store. And now with Whole Foods and Amazon and Fresh, there's a lot of ways to get healthy food. It's overwhelming the options out there. So if you're looking for ways to eat healthy and where to get the healthy food, it's there in front of you. You just got to choose to do it. You got to make choices and it's all there. Fresh Market, Whole Foods, even Target, you know, everyone has healthy food choices. question is, where do you find what foods to eat? That's where it's overwhelming. If there's all these diet apps, there's Noom, there's this, there's that, you know, Weight Watchers, Jenny Craig, you know, Oprah, you know, you can go overwhelming. So for me, it's very basic, you know, very broad. I'm not about, I don't weigh my food. I don't count calories. I really look for basic food groups. I don't starve or limit myself in what I'm eating. It's trying to avoid excesses amounts of carbohydrates in the morning and lunch. I try to use the fist as a size proportion. I try to find balance in the foods I eat and have fats in forms of nuts and avocados. I'm not afraid of having breads. I eat breads and rice and pasta, but it's a portion control. So it's not about having limited choices. We have too many choices. It's about making the right choices. And if it means preparing your food or buying a prepared meal, these meal plans that these people do, be aware of what's in it and the salt content. You know, these pre-made meals are probably rather inexpensive compared to going to the food store and shopping for food these days. So you got to shop around, try different things, and again, find balance. Balance, portion control, keep it simple. That's what I keep going back to. That's what I share with my patients. Yeah, awesome. Because I feel like that's the most common question that we always get asked as a practitioner and also among ourselves. What do I eat? As you're saying, do I eliminate to the very small choices versus actually, as you're saying, just portion control, knowing you're not going to eat until you're full. And sometimes people I know back in the day, last year when I was actually doing bodybuilding, I was measuring out everything because I trying to be consistent and to maintain a certain weight, but it's not really practical in a daily basis. So what I meal prep now is about just books of carbs and my sweet potato and rice, and then just put them together with my salad and no longer weighing them because It's just like a proportion, as you're saying, you know, it's not going to be a whole lot of one group. 
a whole lot of other. And it's a little bit of everything that actually make you enjoy what you're eating. And I'm a big fan of like, you know, a lot of greens. So much spinach, as much lettuce, as much greens as you want. There's no counting that. It's just trying to keep an eye control the protein, the carbohydrates and the fats. The greens are kind of unlimited. As much greens as you want, as much water as you want. Exactly. And in Texas, we have HAB, and they start just like whole food, making a prepared meal. So I find the one that has a better portion, like you're saying, not too much salt, and then good amount of mix of fat, carbs, and your protein. And then I find a couple options that become my default, and that's what I take for work. I put them in the freezer, I take them out, just heat them up. And definitely it's easier than meal prepping everything. It's more standard. Now you know exactly what you're eating. Correct. Yeah, that's amazing. What are some other things that people can think about? You mentioned beyond the food and choices, the exercise part you're saying even for yourself is potentially even just weight training at home, right? Body weight or some other. Yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Freeletics. It is, I don't have any physical relationship. I use Freeletics as an app. You know, I do two, three workouts a week with them. I try to do two now. I schedule in like running once, twice a week. Once a week, I'll run. Cross rope is another weighted jump rope set. I was good. I bought the X bar. It's like a resistance band. So even like dumbbells. So I'm finding different things. For me, I'm not doing the hour long classes anymore. But again, I got a lot of things on my table, my plate. So I don't have the time like I did maybe a few years ago. But again, choices I'm making. I'm choosing to be focused on other things like so many hours in a day. But taking care of your body and your health is critical. You know it, I know it, and I can tell you with confidence from what I do in my world that it's very important and it's fragile. It doesn't matter how much money you have if you're not healthy. And I see it all the time. So it's real. Yeah, because our physical health is one out of 10 major pillars of life. If you don't feel well, when's the last time you feel like you're having such really horrible exhaustion or you that makes don't feel well? And like, are you actually able to concentrate on whatever you're doing? I'm not even sure what the 10 pillars are, but I can tell you from my experience in my world that there's no more important pillar. Because at least I'm not talking about not feeling well. I'm not talking about having a sniffle. I mean, stuff, I see real stuff. You know, I see when things get real. You know, when your winter's here, when your world is upside down, when nothing matters more. And so it's not about the pillars or this and that. For me, it's like that is the pillar because that's when it's like life happens. And that's why I got into patient advocacy, you know, because when life happens, when your winter's here, when your life is upside down, flipped, your world is flipped upside down, you acute medical crisis, our system is so broken. Healthcare is broken. Here, broken everything. And that's what I got into the space of patient advocacy. It's not something I do for everyone. It's very selective. I can't do it for everyone. I don't offer it to everyone. I work with very few select clients on it, but there is many, many patient advocates out there. And it's a great field I became aware of and connected with many people specifically through LinkedIn or in the patient advocacy space where they help you get through the system. For myself, you know, I work with select individuals, getting them to the best doctors for their pain, for their problem, quicker, faster, and easier, because I know how to leverage the system. I know how to play the game. I know how to pick up the phones. I can get home. Look, the reality is you have three options, the way I see it. You got a problem in medicine. You do nothing, or you do the second option is you do the standard. You go to your doctor, and you listen, and he tells you, okay, go here, go here usually within the same city, within the same system, and you're going from doctor to doctor to doctor. Well, the third option is you raise the stakes. 
and you get a patient advocate and you, someone on my level, a concierge level patient advocate, we say, this is my problem. This is my issue. This is who I've seen. This is what's been done. This is what's happening. This is what I'm not getting out of it. These are the outcomes I want. You may be getting the best care you can get where you are. But you want to go to sleep at night knowing that you are getting that best care. And that sometimes means speaking to the best doctor for your problem, which could be in Boston, it could be in LA, it could be in Miami, it could be in Houston, it could be at Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. The truth of the matter is, and I've seen this thousands of times, you couldn't get hold of an office manager within a week, but I could probably get hold of a doctor within 48 hours. But that's just the way it is. The doctor-to-doctor relationship carries weight. And that's where my role as a patient advocate at the level I do it at at that kind of concierge level patient advocacy. It's why I say it's not for everyone because it's not something you can offer for everyone. But the role of patient advocates in your city, in your town, to go with you to your doctor already elevates your game. Because when we talk about it, and again, I've seen this thousands of times, and this is like black and white, plain vanilla to me. This is the harsh reality, and I'm going to share with you the way it is. The patient is in the low status position. They're waiting weeks to months to see me as a doctor. They're waiting in my waiting room. They're paying a co-payment. They're waiting in the room waiting for me. They're holding labs and records. I don't even know what it means. And I walk in the room and it's like, hi, hi. And usually in about 90 seconds, I'm already in the computer asking questions. And then from there, the conversation is typically directed towards where I'm directing it. Patients are not even really aware why they're there. It's the craziest thing because you don't walk into a business meeting without knowing your buyer, your seller, your prospectus, your numbers, your pitch deck, your slides. You know everything. It's extreme preparation. You go to a doctor's office when the product on the table is your health and you don't do anything. So in my experience, from what I've been doing now for decades and having seen this, that's where I work with people and saying, you know what, this is how you change your status. When a doctor walks in your room, it's no longer that scenario, but it's this where, hey, Dr. Smith, I'm really glad I was able to find time and be with you today. I think you spoke to Dr. Dorek about me already, but here, here's my medical history. And you give him a two-page summary, him or her, a two-page summary that's designed for the way the doctor wants to see it, the way the doctor needs to see it. I'm sure you may have it. And I know you want to examine me and ask me questions, but before you do that, let me tell you what the outcomes and results I want from today's encounter are. You already are in a different status, a different frame in the eyes of that physician. You are no longer just there being, not knowing what's going on. Maybe you're a patient who goes to Google, so you're a little bit higher status. But now it's like your stakes are up. The game is raised. You're in a different playing position. You're going to have a different encounter, a different experience, a different outcome. And that's what I do. Listen, I don't hit the three-point shot well. I don't make homemade noki. And I don't write Japanese haiku but I'm really good at what I do. And what I do is my differentiator. And that's my differentiator in life. And it's one of the things I'm really good at is helping people navigate through a broken system and things get real. Patient advocacy is a great field. Something I'm becoming aware of. So if you're having problems in your life, you're having real issues with your spouse, you should find and look into that resource because it really helps. Because most people don't know what to do. Most people are going to be providing you one or two options. They're going to be sympathetic. Oh, that sucks. That's sympathy. They can be empathetic. Wow, I I understand what you're going through. I've been there. I've been there with my wife. I've been there with myself. I've been there with my parent. I understand what you're going through. I've been there. Talk to me. Share with me. I understand you. That's empathy. But what people aren't really positioned to do, and this is why I share what I do selectively with very top high-level wealth advisors and wealth management teams for their clients, is you provide empathy with a solution. You say, listen, don't worry about your portfolio. Don't worry about this. I'll take care of it. We'll get you 8% this year. Don't worry. I'll take care of the business. 
I don't know anything about what you're going through, but I do work with this doctor who works with our team who helps our clients get things resolved and get things done quickly, fast, and easy. Let me get in touch with him. That's empathy with a solution. And that's when you raise the stakes. That's when you raise the game. And that's when you go into like a patient advocate at the level I do. But the cause of the patient advocacy is more important. What I'm sharing is that it's there on many, many levels. You could be a retired social worker, a retired nurse. There's a whole growing list of this community of patient advocates. Everything has an empowering role in your healthcare and in your life. So we can talk about diet. We can talk about exercise. We can talk about pillars. We can talk about bodybuilding. We can talk about weighing food and all these things. But it doesn't matter when things get real. And in my world, I see things get real every day. And it's a little bit eye-opening. And unsettling, in the truth be told, because it shows vulnerability and real. And I'm not immune to it any more than anyone else. And it's scary sometimes to know that. Yeah, you bring out the best part is that things got real. Now you see all sort of things. I'm just stuck in my cardiothoracic transplant, right? People can do really well with their surgery and then boom, they crash. And that's the point when people come to us, the very different thing, what you mentioned is so crucial. Can we even think ourselves, not just a provider, but as a patient? I remember when I had a hand surgery, I went to the ER. They know I'm in surgery. They treat me differently. And right. because people somehow, they know how healthcare professionals are the worst patient. We wanted to ask a bunch of questions and get to it. And then we also know how to get to it easier than a patient themselves. So if we can help our patients to be positioned similar to us, come in prepared, have a basic history, your medication list at least written out, right? Don't have to bring us all the bags, but now you have a framework of we are asking them what is the outcome that you want? Just like even in surgery, some people know that it's not just a two months of rest after a big open heart. Your healing period is really the whole year after. Now, oh. but what is the whole goal of for you to go through this big surgery? Well, maybe because you can actually walk down the aisle with your daughter and without huffing and puffing and dragging the yeah. oxygen tank. Yeah. And it could just be you can go to the grocery store with your spouse and not feeling you have to stop every five minutes, right? What is the idea that you actually want out of life? And that's what you discussed. And then you have a common goal and people can explain what's the risk and the benefit and what's the likelihood to get that result versus surgery and medical or something else. And it definitely is something we're never actually talking enough about when it comes to patient care or when we ask about result people have some idea of what all this 10,000 testing they did but they don't have record of it so we don't know who to trust right. at that point exactly and that's why i created a free tool for my community on linkedin which is where i spend most of my time on social media sharing things i share with my patients it's really a great way to help people around the globe but I created a free tool to create a free medical history form in a very simplified manner. So when you go to the ER, especially if you're a parent now or someone's elderly or COVID specifically, to give that history because you know and I know being in healthcare, it's the craziest thing when people are like, oh yeah, I had this surgery, I don't remember when and what medicines, I don't know. Like take some responsibility for your own healthcare. If you can't do it, find an advocate or someone or tools that will. So very much so, I understand. 
Yeah. And so why I say 10 pillar is when we have health as an issue, it's not just health. It's trickled down to your mental well-being because it make us feel like anxiety, depressed about the condition we're in, right? There are right. plenty of studies showing cardiovascular surgery related to depression because right. they can't do anything. We put them on restriction for two months, of course. Right. Correct, correct. And additional to that, those younger patients who are still working, now they feel like their life, their career is got put on hold, no matter what condition they're in, when they're in that serious spot. Correct. So who they are, they start losing that identity of themselves. So those are the other pillar comes in. And then if they lose their job, then they lose their financial security. And then even you are a spiritual person, but sometimes people start losing that part of direction as well, especially COVID now. Patients, family couldn't really come into the hospital. So now they're losing connection with right. their family, even just yeah. to be able to hold their hand. That simple touch is a powerful way to heal right. as just a commas. So that's when I talk about there's 10 different ways. And this one major thing, our physical health is a whirlwind. Right. If it doesn't go well, right. almost everything are putting a huge damper on them. So I love it that you've been here talking with us. I always ask this for our speakers. When you're thinking about your life, right? When we think about all these 10 mm -hmm. different components, what are something that you're really good at? And then what are one or two things that you haven't really tapped enough into? So I'm really good at a lot of things, but I'm not good at everything for sure. And I can tell you that with confidence, but I'm really good at what I put my mind to. And I'm really good at the power and driven force of creativity, of creating something, building something, whether it be a nonprofit or a business or a marketing strategy or a recent program I launched with the American Cancer Society on the national level for colon cancer, the colorectal cancer provider outreach program. I saw a problem. I realized that there's great organizations on a national level for colorectal cancer. This is 150,000 people a year diagnosed with colorectal cancer in this country. 50,000 people die, give or take. Of those 150,000 people, this is what happens. You know, we diagnose them, they go in, they get a colonoscopy, they wake up, listen, you got a problem. We're like, you need labs, CAT scan, see a surgeon. And it's kind of like, they don't hear anything after the word cancer. See you in a week or two, I'll be there for you. And then like 10 minutes later, we're doing another procedure. What we're not doing is saying, listen, you got a problem. You need to get CAT scan, you need to get labs, you need a surgeon, but I want you to go tonight. I want you to call these organizations. I want you to call these national organizations that help people with colorectal cancer. I want you to go to their websites. I want you to lean into it. We're not doing that. And so I created a program over a few months with five national organizations led by the American Cancer Society to help the 14,000 plus gastroenterologists direct our patients to these sites at the time of diagnosis by taking out their phone and typing colon in and sending text and send and getting the information on their phone. So setting a goal, creating a vision and making it real is something I'm very good at. What I'm not good at is, and I'm getting better at, is redirecting my mind to the mindset of focus in terms of like Tony Robbins and other, I go back to some things he teaches. I pull a lot from him is, you know, what you focus on is how you will feel. Our minds can get very drawn into the world of comparing. Our minds get very drawn into the world of not good enough, of what's not this and what's not that, versus appreciation and what is. I'm not preaching happy appreciation. I'm preaching on shifting my focus. What am I focusing on? Am I focusing on is this the end or is this the beginning? 
am I focusing on is what COVID has done to us, how lucky we are to be with them. So I'm working more on that. And, you know, also in terms of working on communication and relationships in my own personal life and being more in touch and intimate levels and the emotional intimacy men don't always address as well. But it's a constant evolving process, you know, and not born with everything, but not going to die with everything either. So just kind of see what I can do in the middle. That's yeah, cool. exactly. Love it. And I think that's the crucial thing, right? Like I, even though I, I, my whole life journey is really started neuroscience and public health, but then I kind of pivoted into cardiovascular surgery and then kind of went back to my root in that because I'm so drawn to that mental fitness part. We all have these sabotaging tendencies. And it's oh, okay. Yeah. We just needed to recognize them and then learn the tool, like where you say, pivot back, right? Correct. Pivot back to that positive intelligence side of us so Correct. we can stay in the zone of creativity, positivity, resourcefulness, being grateful, right? And then life will be better because we have the ability to not fear whatever coming to us. We're just simply be there and accept what it is and solve it. And that's okay. Correct. And I love it, everything you have been sharing with us. And I know people is going to go look you up on LinkedIn, on your website. And then you have your handle back on your background for us. So I know that's lovely. And so please find Dr. Durek for whether you are looking for the healthy tips that he's sharing with us and vast majority more on LinkedIn and other platforms, or you actually want to consider Hiring him as a concierge, knowing it's very limited options. We'll start with the conversation because like I said, what I do and who I offer to and how I do that, I don't go on these platforms and share this openly, but, um, you know, connect with me and see what I do and start with the conversation from there. For me, more importantly, you know, sharing what I do, what I share with my patients and providing free information through my health blog and how I live my life through what I share is the value of social media and that I hope to share and I will Make sure that I give you the link to my medical history form. So as you talked about preparation for your office visit, nothing is more empowering than going to a medical office visit with your own medical history summary. And I have a free tool to do that. It takes about three minutes to do if you want to do it for someone highly recommended. But again, I've only been doing this for 15 years. What do I know? But it would be my suggestion. (laughs) Yes. And then all our listeners, I know you guys are healthcare professionals, but go do this as well. Oh, yeah. When's the last time you actually went to an office with all your history? And you just kind of trying to figure out, oh, when was the last time I had I got to see my urologist on Monday and I'm due for a colonoscopy. So I got to do it myself. But yes. Yes. Be the good practitioner for yourself so that you can show up better for others, right? So just just to close, so you work with most of your listening audiences, healthcare providers and professionals. Yeah. So my podcast is for only healthcare professionals. So this is going to be great. And I'm sure there are going to be people who wanted to be a advocate for our patients and they have that drive. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure they'll want to reach out to you. Yeah, yeah, totally. I'm happy to direct people in what that field is. One thing I didn't talk to you about, and one thing which another area I'm really good at, and I have just to close, make sure your audience gets the most out of me and the most benefit. Is I become really good at marketing and growing my local practice. And right now, for example, in my local community of about 35 gastroenterologists that we measure, I have about 200 Google reviews for me. My practice has about 91, and the next, the average is about 12. 
and they're all organic and they're all real. And I know how to grow a practice through these tools. And I established actually a platform for that. But helping doctors, I actually started writing a column about this. So if you need help growing your practice, if you need help seeing more patients and making more money and more revenue, now more than ever, connect with me on LinkedIn and see what I do. It's really um, some wild tools I have, some easy free ways to do it. That's what we need now. Because if doctors are not helping doctors, now more than ever, when are we going to help each other? So that's why I started. I actually have a, nat- a column coming out in the National Journal next month, this month, November, on practice growth tips. Hopefully, we'll continue that monthly. And I do have ways I can work with people more consistently. But definitely just reach out to me. I'll give you some ideas. Because if I'm not helping you, and we're not helping each other grow our practices and prevent the onslaught by big mergers of venture capitalists and hospitals, we got a problem. So connect with me on that. I'll help you grow your business now. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah, that's right. amazing. I know a lot of people thinking about like, they don't want it to be forced furloughed or have to uh, leave their job and they start thinking, hey, I need to build something on my own, right? Oh, Take yeah. control of that. So now it's a great time to not only connect to business coaches to set up the infrastructure, but once you have it, how do you grow into the next level yeah. where people just naturally come to you, attracted to you, right? And then right. it's where I come in. Once you have all that set up, How do you maintain your passion and not turn it into a poison where you're working seven days a week? I'm going to tell you, uh, LinkedIn is overwhelmed with people selling and selling and coaches and selling and coaches. And choose wisely where you find your information, find your guidance from people you trust and people that live it. I'm boots on the ground. Like I'm in the trenches. I'm doing this every day. You know, I've seen patients. I'm getting doing seeing patients five days a week, you know, year, and I'm not going anywhere. I still got another 15, 20 years of in me, God willing. So I'd say get your practice growth coaching ideas from people in it. Go to doctors who are doing it, not some business coach or someone who's just reinvented themselves to be a life coach. It's good. They'll give you good value, but you want someone who's like, like I said, on the field with you, on the court, playing the ball. Listen. Kobe, MJ, these guys play ball great. I mean, they know how to play, but they still sat there and they had Phil Jackson on the sideline coaching. Because if you're on the court, you got the ball, but you don't put it in the net, what's the point? So get the right coach, but get someone who also played ball and get someone who knows the game and played the game and there, not someone who's just sitting on the sideline. All right, we're going to wrap it up because I got to hop, but it's been great. I hope we had a good conversation. Any other questions for me today, Sabrina? I think this is wonderful. I so appreciate your time. I know everyone's going to truly enjoy this segment. And just like what Dr. Dorak said, find the right people for you. Knowing oh, yeah. it's not just about knowledge that you're building. You can read and listen and study all you want. But if you're not taking the action to do and to actually making a move in your own life, nothing really worth the while. All right. Exactly. Appreciate Have everyone. Yeah. Bye. Good Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Please uh, leave a review on iTunes and let us know what you really need more from us so we can supply you the best resources and to help you grow into the next level. Have a great night, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, my friend. How did you love this episode? Make sure to subscribe to our show so you can continue to build your positive intelligence for that beautiful mind of yours to live powerfully and passionate. I know this just the tip of the iceberg. You probably have a lot more questions on actually how do I implement those things into my own life? Well, this is the solution. Joining us inside 
the private Facebook group. Go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Powerful Passionate, where I go live weekly to answer any questions that you have and continue to put more resources for you to help you to get to that point. You can be both powerful and passionate where you're no longer working on any mundane work and truly focusing on the things that matter. You can be both powerful and passionate where you can overcome any mental roadblocks keeping you from success. You can be both powerful and passionate where you feel energized from the moment you woke up to the time you go to bed. Join me and together we can create a life where you can be both powerful and passionate.